Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, top of the morning to you and welcome to It's a Good Life. This is a follow-on episode from my interview with Ron Tite. There's been many interviews I've done, which were, you know, I had a good time. It was, it was a good interview. And when we were done, we were done. My interview with Ron Tite, I felt like we were just starting, especially in regards to business, branding, super insightful, creative guy. And it was really a, a great time. I don't know why so many of the Canadian speakers are, they're just so down to earth, authentic and insightful, maybe because that's the way a lot of Canadians are. We've had so many years doing seminars and events in Canada. We have a huge following up there, a tremendous number of clients we coach and work with, and it's always been great. In fact, I've always enjoyed going up there. And one of the things you see on Canadian TV every night is some form of comedy club. And it's always amazing to me how many Irish comedians are on the Canadian shows, and it's always striking. So the Irish and the Canadians do have a lot in common. We like to laugh. We like to laugh at ourselves. And uh, we like a good a beer, too. So uh, a lot in common there. Ron's insight as a, as a business guy, and especially on the brand, very powerful, very powerful. And I think for, if you're out there and you run a small business or you've got a side hustle or you're, you're, you're trying to make your business grow and expand, you've got, a, you've got a, a business you want to grow and expand as the, as the market changes, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I really think there's some great stuff. And some of the things he went over so fast, I just wanted to give a little more gravitas to uh, so that it could become maybe an exercise for you to help uh, build your brand even further. And so, again, I highly recommend the book, Think, Do, Say. It's just terrific. It's well-written. He's, uh, he's a good writer. He is a good writer, and he's funny. And he's got great examples. I'm actually going to read a little story out of this before we finish today, but it's how to seize attention, how to build trust in a busy, busy world. And I think seizing attention in a busy world, building trust in a busy world, and biz- building trust in a distrustful world is another part of it. And as we were talking, obviously, I, I was sharing our systems and how working by referral works and how we're all about helping our clients become entrusted advisors to their customers. And how to do that over time it was very reinforcing, obviously, the systems we teach. It was actually fascinating for me to hear about Ron talk about his career in stand-up. And I love when he said that there are no excuses in stand-up. You know, you're out there by yourself and you're either good or bad. You're either getting a laugh or you're not. You're either fulfilling on the promise or you're not. And then I was thinking, you know, unfortunately, there are excuses in business. And it's easy to blame the market. It's easy to blame suppliers or staff. It's easy to complain about a lack of inventory. There's all kinds of reasons why we don't have time to do lead generation or the marketing. Uh, I referenced in the interview with Ron, which he vehemently agreed with and, and aligned with in his own business, where I said, I'm the lead marketer for Buffini Company. Still am. I'm the brand spokesman for our organization. And Ron was like nodding his head going, yeah, me too, for my company. And it doesn't mean I don't have many people doing a great job. And we have a very big marketing department. We have specialists in all kinds of fields. But I just never abdicate the marketing. I never hand it off to someone else. I've been a part, like I mentioned, of these discussions and, and the, the, the Mad Men commercials and been and listened to these 
uh, recommendations with companies that we've worked with who spent millions of dollars with these huge advertising agencies and PR firms. And it's amazing how they can complicate the obvious. And that's why we're, when we finish here today, I'm going to get, go over the five key principles for building your brand narrative today. But above all, when you think about Ron Tite talking about comedy, imagine you put yourself in that space as an entrepreneur where you had no excuse. And I'm actually doing a podcast that I highly recommend. It's episode 41 in this season two of the rebranded It's a Good Life podcast. So I'm going to expose my excuses, your excuses, all our excuses, and what's really on the other side of excuses and the good life and the good business that's waiting for us when we get past that. So normally I have three points and I have three points today because that's how kind of how I think and it's how people uh, receive information well. The first major point I got from Ron was scale, diversify, and sell more. Scale, diversify, and sell more. Now, uh, this is very, very close to home. Next month, I will be conducting a series of podcasts on the coming recession. And I know that sounds kind of scary, and it will be for some. It will certainly be scary for the unprepared or the people who listen to the propaganda machines that are trying to hide the fact that uh, a recession is coming. Uh, But I'm going to walk you through the history of recessions. I want to walk you through why it's not such a scary thing that the 2007 and 2008 depression is not really what we need to be thinking about as we look at recessions. But in truth, for an entrepreneur, there is tremendous opportunity with every recession. And I think people really need to look on how to scale their businesses. Uh, And if you're in the service industries, it might be time to look at building a team or diversify what products and services you offer and how you offer them. Uh, I know for our company, a Buffini company, when we went into the last great recession, you know, we were completely centered on real estate at the time. So we were in one niche and we offered basically one, one program. We had events and our events were an on-ramp for people to get into our one-to-one coaching program and events were then a, a, a way to galvanize and build value and community for our one-to-one members. So we basically had events that promoted our one-to-one coaching. I had said at the time when the 2007-2008 recession came, and it was catastrophic in the real estate and mortgage businesses, and we lost over 50% of the people in the businesses, and then those that were left were making 50% or less of what they made before. So it was a huge, huge um, hit to the real estate income. The market went down 33%, but real estate agent income went down far more than that. Huge companies. I, you probably don't even remember any. Prudential was at 50,000 realtors. They, they ceased to be. And so a tremendous amount of companies and brands disappeared during that time. And I made the statement to my staff that a recession is a terrible thing to waste. And so scale, diversification, and sell more. I didn't have it in those slick terms like Ron Tite gave us, but that became my modus operandi to push through for our organization. So what happened coming out of the recession is we developed three types of coaching. We had our one-to-one coaching, which was our flagship program and always will be. We developed group coaching where people for less money could connect with uh, eight to 10 or 12 like-minded business owners and go through a group coaching session. And then uh, some organizations wanted that for their groups as well. And then uh, we developed team leader coaching. So as more and more of our clients started developing teams and now more and more teams are involved in many other businesses beyond real estate. So we have three types of coaching when we used to have one. We also instituted 
training programs. And we actually built a training platform that we call the, the career path. And we have, here's where you start with what is called 100 days. And now we have, after that, the essentials. And then we have the advanced course. And we're actually in the process of completing uh, the last piece of that, which is the, the whole legacy piece. And so, but we built all these training programs. They were not there before. And then in addition to that, we built a, a, a CRM, a contact management system called Referral Maker which has now become this award-winning technology, which is kind of funny for me to have something that's award-winning technology. Uh, if I still had a VCR, it would still be blinking, blinking 12 o'clock. But I surrounded myself with some brilliant people. We did phenomenal focus groups and found out what people really wanted, really needed. We've continued to do that to make the improvements. And we have this award-winning technology now that's very inexpensive, where people are able to uh, build a customer database uh, and, and work the referral system at, you know, a a very, very small cost every month. So we had none of those things prior to 2007 and 2008. And that dynamic of a a recession is a terrible thing to waste. We went with scale, product diversification, and we sold more. And today, our organization has surpassed its pre-Great Recession income levels, but we do it with 50% less people. So our business became more efficient, more effective. Uh, we have greater diversification in our products, in our pricing. And so, again, when he said scale, diversification, and sell more, hit very close to home for me. He knows what he's talking about. And I believe with the coming recession, everyone who owns a business, big or small, is going to need to scale, diversify, and sell more. And so I think very powerful. And again, think, do, say, great resource for that. The second major thing that struck me about my conversation with Ron was really about building that brand of trust. And it jumped off the page when he talked about people who have their own business under the umbrella of a larger brand. And again, my background came from real estate. I was in real estate. We had real estate coaching and training. And now today, today we have 47 different businesses we coach at Buffini Company. But it was real estate for a long time. And, and so that's a huge part of my background. But for those of you in non-real estate businesses, you can make the translation for yourself. And one of the things he talked about, and he did mention real estate, is that there's companies with really large brands that spend a lot of money to build a brand, but the individual and agent, in order to try to seize attention, spends a lot of their time trying to build their own personal brand. And so the personal brand does not wrap itself around the company brand. And now, again, imagine you're with a financial services company or an insurance brokerage or a bank or a mortgage brokerage. There's so many different examples of this where you have your own business or book of business or sales career. You're trying to build your own personal brand and you're connected to a much larger brand. And he really had a great insight this, which is kind of connect to the larger brand that's spending all the money. The people you're affiliated with, lean into that and build your personal brand. And he said it best when he said, big enough to deliver small enough to care. And I, you know, that's one of those drop the mic statements to me. So if you have an opportunity like that and you're connecting, if you're in, in, in the business like that, lean into your company's massive marketing campaign and brand awareness, lean into that, align with your personal brand. You want big enough is where you lean into the company and small enough to care is your own personal brand. Because at the end of the day, if you're working for a giant corporation in real estate, uh, they're not taking care of the, the little old lady who's lost her husband, who's trying to 
sell her property and move down to Florida. But she wants to be able to know she's working with a reputable company. So you get the reputable company. So they're, you know, big enough to deliver. But you, you're small enough to care. So what we need to do is wrap those brands together and connect. And I really feel like that's a great way to go. Then lastly, the third big point Ron talked about was building the brand narrative. And uh, he covered five key questions. And you can always tell when someone has phenomenal content and a lot of it is he went through these very fast. And if you were out for a walk or you're driving your car or wherever you were, I doubt you had the chance to write these all down. And this is one of the reasons we do these follow-up episodes because there's when there's gold dropping out there and great nuggets, I want you to get them. And this particular one is about building your pers- your brand narrative. And there are five questions he referenced. And I want to go over these because I believe that when you listen to this, you should do this as an exercise for your business. In fact, I'm going to institute this inside Buffini Company. I believe this needs to be an annual assessment of your brand narrative so that your brand stays relevant and your the service and the products you offer are absolutely meeting the need of the market. So the first thing he said is, what's going on in the world? Right, so it's what's going on in the market, what's going on in the in the customer experience, and we've we've had all these things from pandemics to wars to lockdowns to all these uh, work from home, uh, all, all these different dynamic changes. The Great Resignation, we talked about that for a moment. So what's going on in the world? You know, we talked about the restaurant business and how restaurants have the last couple of years have all developed some form of takeout or delivery, and yet that is a very different business than in the sit-down, dining, have-a-great-experience experience. And so, what's going on in the world? The second great question we all need to ask is, what problem does that create? So here's what's going on in the world. What problem does that create? I mean, ultimately, all of marketing is find a need, fill a need. All entrepreneurship, find a need, fill a need. Well, this is a very specific way to do that with your existing products and services. So what's going on in the world? What problem does that create? Third, fundamentally, what do you believe about that problem? So fundamentally, what do you believe? It's very important that your products and services are aligned with what you believe the solution is or should be. Otherwise, you're you're working to just make a buck and you're not being true or authentic. There's no way for you to align your personal brand if your values are not aligned. It can't just be, I think this is how I can make money. Now, he talked about it taken all the way through to how can you make money. So that's very important. But fundamentally, what do you believe about the problem? Next, how do you solve the problem? How do you solve the problem? Which is the product, service, support. How do you support that problem? Your pricing, everything goes into that. How do you solve that problem? And why should we believe you? Why should we believe you? And that's where you get into customer testimonials track record, third-party endorsements, cross-branding, all of that. These are five great questions. What's going on in the world? What does that problem create? Fundamentally, what do you believe about that problem? How do you solve that problem? And uh, why should we believe you? Now, Ron said this is overly simplistic, and it might be for the giant think tanks. Uh, But for me, this is an exercise you do every year, and it's a great example of the brand narrative in the book. And, and in the book itself, Think, Do, Say, there's a story. And I'm going to do a little story time with Brian. Now, 
Uh, in future episodes and these follow-up, we're actually going to do some questions. Dave Lally, our producer, is going to come in and chime in and kind of ask the questions that you guys want from the different interviews we've done. And we'll be doing those in the future. Today, I'm going to do something I haven't done before, which is I'm going to read a couple of pages from Ron's book. And the reason is it's a cool story. So this is actually page five in the book, and it says, Retail's dead. Retail's back. Retail's dead again. Retail's back. Who the heck wants to invest in brick and mortar? Online businesses are investing in brick and mortar. Sears just went bankrupt. Amazon just bought Whole Foods. So again, bringing up all the dynamics of what's going on in the marketplace, what's going on in the world. So then he goes on to say, depending on the day of the week, retail is either the best or the worst business to be in. Margins are tight, rents are high, and let's admit it, customers can be jerks. But people do love a great experience. They want to occasionally see and touch stuff before they buy it. And a street presence can help with brand awareness and distribution. One thing is certain. Retail is reinventing itself. And not every single shingle will survive. A lot of retailers are in a street fight to stay profitable until they know what works and what doesn't. That's what made the following statement from one retailer's head of merchandising even more jaw-dropping. We could never do it. But what if we could close on Black Friday? Wait, what? You're contemplating closing your stores on the busiest retail day of the year. You want to shut down when your competition is slashing prices, driving promos, and spending a large portion of their budget, kickstarting the holiday spending spree. Are you insane? That retailer is REI. And I don't think they're insane. They're brilliant. REI stands for Recreational Equipment, Inc., and it's an outdoor clothing, gear, and footwear company organized as the largest consumer cooperative in the U.S. Its 6 million active members buy tents, kayaks, mountain bikes, and other outdoor stuff from over 150 retail locations in 36 U.S. states and through catalog and e-commerce channels. It also has REI Adventures, a global leader in active adventure travel, an REI Outdoor School, which teaches courses on outdoor activities. Every year on Black Friday, REI closes its stores, processes no online payments, and pays its 12,000-plus employees to opt outside with friends and family. While retail staff at other stores are facing life-threatening injuries from deal-hungry crowds stampeding through the doors like the bulls of Pamplona, our REI staff are enjoying the tranquility of taking in a hike or a paddle. Since they began their hashtag OptOutside in 2015, 15 million people and more than 700 organizations have joined the movement. Unlike most movements, it wasn't created as a response to a creative brief. It was just an idea someone tossed out during a brainstorming session. It's genius. Here's why. At its heart, hashtag OptOutside is not about a campaign. It's about an action that reinforces a belief. What beliefs and actions come together When beliefs and actions come together, great stories are easy to write and worthy of being told. Here's the full script of the hashtag OptOutside lunch spot. Open on the top of a mountain, a man sits at a desk. Jerry, I'm Jerry Stritsky, the CEO of REI. This Black Friday, we're closing all 143 of our stores and we are paying our employees to get outside. We believe a life lived outside is a life worth living. We'd rather be in the mountains than in the aisles. Join us on November 27th on Opting Outside. Thanks. And then you'll see a couple hike up to where Jerry is. Whoa, hi, hi. What are you doing here? I work here. And then up comes the logo. 
So there were three pillars behind the incredible growth REI created. They believed in something beyond their merchandise. REI couldn't have been much clearer about what they believed, Stritsky said. We believe a life lived outside is a life worth living. We'd rather be in the mountains than in the aisles. And in a sea of promos and prices, purpose is what people can see from the shore. They consciously took actions to reinforce that belief. Stritsky prefaced their belief with a clear indication of how they would live them. I'm Jerry Stritsky, the CEO of REI. This is Black Friday. We're closing all of our 143 stores and we're paying our employees to get outside. He actually mentioned the action before the belief, which gave it a greater priority. To build trust, REI didn't pay an actor to deliver the message. The CEO, Stritsky, did it himself. They said it in a simple and memorable way. What an easy story to tell and a simple structure to follow. They stated their beliefs. They described the actions they would take to live them. They described how customers could get involved. And they delivered it with an authentic REI personality. Best of all, they accomplished all this in 30 seconds. That may be the most efficient and compelling organization story ever told. It's a clearly articulated brand belief that shows REI cares about more than products it sells. It supports REI staff, acts as a phenomenal recruiting tool. It announces a bold action that flies in the face of convention without trying to look and act rebellious. It showcases a personality who believes that the warmth of a smile resonates better than the knee slapping of a laugh. It invites consumers to participate through a hashtag, but doesn't desperately beg for user-generated content. Finally, it brands the initiative, hashtag OptOutside, not as an event, but as an action. REI did all of this in under 70 seconds. Don't worry, I know exactly what you're thinking. Did it work? As an experienced marketer, everything about this feels right. It checks all the boxes in an interesting way. And given the fictional approach to its metrics these days, I could find data that builds a case for its success. So yeah, I could mention that they got 2.7 billion PR impressions in the first 24 hours. Yes, billion. 6.7 billion media impressions overall. 1.2 billion social impressions, blah, blah, blah. But to me, this is what matters in the year. Hashtag up outside launched. REI inspired 1.4 million people to spend the day outside. REI posted its largest ever membership growth. REI increased revenue by 9.3% to 2.4 billion. Think about that. REI shut down on its busiest day of the year and actually grew revenue in the process. They got consumers to look. They established trust in the brand. The result was incredible momentum and growth, all because everyone from the CEO to the cashier were aligned on what they thought, what they did and what they said. But why did they have to do it in the first place? Couldn't they have had just a big, you know, buy one, get one free banner campaign that was announced internally through an impersonal email from the CEO? Couldn't they have just funneled their money into AI like everyone else? Couldn't they have just gotten the team together for a brainstorming session where they spent four days rewriting their mission statement? Sure, they could have done all that. But consistent growth and momentum for people and organizations require a bit more. On one hand, we need to step away from the MBA textbooks and jargon-filled exercises to land in a truthful and honest place that is compelling as it is simple. On the other hand, we also need to step away from the latest and greatest technologies and platforms to set up for continued success, regardless of when the device we're holding is obsolete and when what version 2.0 of our sales software is replaced by version 3.0. Great organizations know it, and so do great people. It's time to be calm in the chaos because the chaos certainly isn't going away. And I just think it's great when you can get the full picture 
of an actual example. And this REI story is what he starts the book with. Again, highly recommend the book. If you're trying to grow your brand, I'm not getting paid to do this. I think you know it. But I, when I'm sold on something, I sell other people. Think, do, say. If you're trying to grow your brand, your brand narrative. And on behalf of myself, the staff of It's a Good Life, the coaching organization that is Buffini Company, I want to thank you for tuning in and being a loyal listener. And if this is a brand that you believe in, if It's a Good Life and what we're doing is what you believe in, and you believe that we represent that well in both helping you with your business, with your personal growth and development, with staying current with the market, with finances, and uh, with then as a business person, live the good life, then I really hope you share this program with other people. Maybe you know someone who's in need of a lifting up their spirits or hearing something that might challenge them or educate or encourage them. And so I hope you do that. I thank you to all of you in the past who have shared this program with the thousands of people who listen uh, every single week. We hope to hear from you. Let us know if you want to hear more business fundamentals, more personal growth, more interviews. We'd love to hear from you. We've upped it to two episodes a week. We hope you like that format. We'd love to hear from you. So please respond. Let us know. We want to hear from you. So thanks again for being uh, such a loyal listener to this program. Please share it with your friends, and I look forward to seeing you next time. And as always, no matter what, no matter how many times you hear it, you can never be blessed enough. I'm going to have my mother give us our little Irish blessing to leave us off today. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.